The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. We're going to do something, the sermon is going to be a little bit different, taking a little bit of a break from numbers because something's been on my mind this week and I didn't want to force it into the numbers text. Uh, not that I'm completely above that sort of thing. But <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a little bit different and I invite you to turn with me to different references if I go there or when I do and we'll just... Uh, We'll get through this together, all in it together. First uh, text I'd have you turn to is Hebrews chapter 10. Now, what I was thinking about all week is that there are some people who know that we have not necessarily obeyed every rule that's come down the pike and that we're meeting in person. And... uh, I've kind of caught some heat for that and people uh, demanding that I give an answer about why we're continuing to meet in the middle of all of this. And so I don't know if that question has been on your mind. I trust that it hasn't really been because here y'all are. And uh, But just so you know, if you're asked or if it becomes an issue, uh, I just want you to know what my thinking is about some of these things. So if you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hear now the word of God. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. So why y'all meeting? I've seen some people on Facebook saying things like, the only reason, the only couple of reasons why any church anywhere would still be meeting is because the pastor wants to receive all the tithes. Pastor's got to make the money. Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen that on Facebook. <laughs> I, never, I never reply to those things, but I'm thinking, I'm not getting paid, so that can't be the... <laughs> I'm not getting any money. And we've got plenty of money to pay our bills, so we're not hurting for stuff like that. And uh, So that can't be the reason. The other... The other reason I've heard is people saying, well, if it's not money, then it's about attention. And you're just trying to, you're just trying to uh, draw, you'll, you're going to be the public guy and you're going to poke the bear and, and draw attention to yourself. Publicity, political theater, you don't really care that much about meeting as a church. You're just going to, it's a theater. It's, it's your chance to show that you're the patriot or, or whatever that is. And then I think about that. I don't respond to that either, but I think about it and I say, we're kind of meeting on the down low, though. <laughs> you know, I'm, if nobody knows that we're here, I'm fine with that. What's that? If we're 501c3, 
points with which to charge us with anything. Well, I would think so. And the second, we have been told by our Creator, fear not. Yeah, right. We'll get into some of that. And so those are the kind of unbelieving reasons that I've run into. Uh, then there's the whole Romans 13 thing. and Now, I do respond on occasion to that. <laughs> I wrote a book-length response to that. <laughs> so I'm just posting links to the stuff I have for sale. See, it is about money. <laughs> so I got a pressure washer. <laughs> okay, I want to tell you, it's none of those things. It's none of those things. I have a good job. I work my butt off at my good job. And, uh, and God's given me a job that pays all my bills. And we're not poor. We're living fairly comfortably. I don't need money. And it's not in my personality to have to be the guy that's standing out front and people shining a spotlight and all that stuff. Y'all have been here long enough. I think you would say that's, that's not this guy. That's not me. Well, look at what it says at verse 25 here. One of the reasons that has been proposed about why we should keep meeting is because it says in Hebrews 10, 25, we're not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Some have used that as a proof text to say we should be meeting every Sunday. See, it, it's commanded right there. Well, actually, it's not really commanded right there. I think if you take the book of Hebrews as a whole and understand the historical context of it, it's probably written just a couple of years before Jerusalem is going to be overrun and destroyed by the Roman armies. The temple's about to be flattened and burned. And things are just going to, for several centuries here, are going to get kind of progressively worse for the Christians alive in Rome. I think one of the easiest ways to summarize what he's saying here is you need to be willing to associate yourself with a persecuted minority. How easy would it have been in that day to just stay home? You know, the church is meeting down, down here at your friend's house and they're having their fellowship meal. How easy it would have been to just stay home and say, well, you know, I can read my Bible myself and it's just me and the Lord. That would have been super easy. And I think what the apostle here is saying, and I'm not going to say which apostle, I think it is. But I think the author of the scripture here is saying, you need to be willing to be publicly accounted as part of this group that's standing for Christ and his gospel. You can make it easy on yourself by isolating yourself. You can worship God in your own little heart. And, and Amen. And there may come times in your life where you can't get out of the house and you have to, whatever, see a service on TV or internet or something like that, okay? So I don't think that this verse by itself is enough to tell us we have to meet on Sunday every Sunday. Any questions about that? And you know that's true. Y'all miss Sundays. Every once in a while, y'all miss Sundays. And what happens? I knock on your door at 6.30 the next morning and saying, why weren't you at church? No, that's never happened. It's never happened. No mail for a week. Uh, right. <laughs> you're, you're cut off. No, no mail for you. <laughs> mail Nazi. <laughs> now, I think Hebrews 10.25 is a good reason to meet with your brothers. 
And if you are in a situation in life where you have voluntarily forsaken that meeting, especially because you think there might be heat that comes your way because you meet, I don't think that's a worthwhile reason to stick behind, right? But does it mean we have to meet every day? You know, in all honesty, I get blessed when I see you all during the week. I don't see all of you all the time, but I see Haley pretty often. He's one of my customers, and uh, I'm one of Carrie's customers, so I see him a lot. And I see David Morris almost every day at the mailbox, and I get blessed gathering together with y'all. So I'm not saying that meeting isn't right. I'm, I'm saying I'm making my defense for why it is. I'm just telling you that Hebrews 10.25 is not the verse that says you must do this at this time. So what is it then, Pastor? Is it the practice of the New Testament heroes? You know, the scripture says that Jesus, it was his custom to go to the synagogue every Saturday, every Shabbat. He'd show up at the synagogue and teach. It was his custom. Nobody commanded it. He, he made it his custom. But even Jesus then taught when he, was commanded, when he was reprimanded about breaking the Sabbath on a couple of occasions. His teaching was, y'all be breaking the Sabbath all the time. You're, you're taking your mule out to water. You're milking your cows. You're rescuing your donkey from the ditch. Y'all work if you need to work. And, and he was okay with that. I think it's pretty clear that script, uh, New Testament teaching in Christ is we are not doing the same thing. When we meet on the Lord's Day, we're not doing the same thing that the Old Covenant Jews were doing on a, on a Sabbath. They're connected. They're certainly connected. And there's a thread that runs through them. But we're not doing the Old Testament day of rest. We're doing a New Covenant day of worship. Finding rest for our souls in Jesus Christ. Now, we can argue about the Sabbath all day long. And if you're into that, I'll, I'll go ahead. I've, there are certain things I hate arguing about. And it's not because I don't think they're important. But because I've done them a million times. So you want to argue, we can argue. <clears throat> Jesus made it his practice to show up at, on the Sabbath day at the synagogue. Now, I don't think we can go from what we see heroes in the Bible practicing to saying this becomes a command for us. That's an irresponsible way of doing a Bible study. Commands are commands. Now, if we see a command and then we see uh, the way uh, Bible characters keep those commands, that's a different thing. But you can't say just because Paul... Uh, Paul cut his hair in Sancria. Now, therefore, everybody's going to cut their hair as to travel to Sancria because that's where Paul cut his hair. No, right? That's dumb. The New Testament church in the book of Acts, we see them constantly gathering together. I don't think it was just on a Sunday. I think they're gathering together daily in each other's houses, not because they were under command, but because they were under the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And they actually liked hanging out with each other. I joke around with y'all a lot. Sometimes we never get started on time in here. And a lot of the time it's because y'all be yakking. Or I be yakking with you. And you know what? I don't want to cut that short. I, mean, I hesitate to cut that short. 
that's part of New Testament worship, that getting together and enjoying being in each other's company and, hey, how are things going with you? No, seriously, tell me how things are going with you. That's part of what we need to be doing. Amen? How are you gonna how are you gonna take care of your brothers when you don't know what's going on in their lives? Amen. And we gotta be here to make some of that stuff happen. All of that being said though, we could miss a Sunday or two or three. It wasn't that long ago we had a really rough winter here, and I think we missed three Sundays in a row. We just didn't open up the church. I don't think we were in sin for doing that. I think we were trying to keep people safe and tell them you don't need to be traveling those roads and stuff like that. You know who it is? It's our old ladies. I love our old ladies, but they're going to church on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) They're going to be the ones that are here when the doors are open. Sometimes you've got to save them from themselves and say, no, no church today. (laughs) Right, don't we hear? I love our old ladies. Some of you be listening on this and love you. Can't wait to see you here again. But what I'm saying to you is just because the Bible gives us a pattern and we see Bible heroes meeting together all the time, that's not really enough to say we have to meet every Sunday. Now, when this whole coronavirus thing started, we did have some meetings. I met, I, we had conversations in this church about how we're going to deal with it. And one of the things I said from the beginning was, If the government comes to us and says, would you please consider shutting down for two weeks or three weeks to help us get this under control? My point was, okay, we'll do that. But where I have a hard spot is with the government coming to us and saying, listen, this is what y'all are going to be doing. And we'll get to that a little bit later. So my point was, I'm not the guy that's meeting just because, well, the early church met every Sunday, so we're going to be here. That's not enough for me. Well, third possibility. What about this whole idea of the body? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. There are a couple of other places that we might go, but look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Romans 12, 1. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I skip down just a little bit and look at verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is the one of three times that the Apostle Paul uses this body analogy. Bible scholars, you know where those other two are? Ephesians chapter 4, 
1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. This body analogy and the variance of gifts. Joyce Peterson has already claimed that she's one of the pinky toes. I don't know where you are in the body. But every time that Paul uses this analogy, part of what he's saying is the. It's not enough for us to just be in Christ over here by ourselves. The body is meant to be together. For us to not be together is as if the eye was saying to the hand, because you're a hand and not an eye, I have no need of you. We have need of each other. Is that enough to defy the government and meet when they tell us not to? Well, maybe. <laughs> it's still not a command though. It's still not scripture commanding us to show up here every Sunday. I think it's extremely important. I think if you, this is what uh, the Hebrews author was talking about. You can't be forsaking that and hope that you're just going to grow all by yourself. I need you guys. I need what the Holy Spirit has done in your lives and is continuing to do. But it's not a command. And the rest of the New Testament letters, they have all these passages that are called the one another passages. Love one another, submit to one another, stir one another up to love and good works. Be kind, be uh, kindly affectioned toward one another, forgive one another. How are you going to do that if you never see one another? Right? So there's some of this, it just means we can't hardly be the church without being here. Anybody know the Greek term for church? Shout it out. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. You know what that means, strictly speaking? The gathering of those who are being called out. The called out ones. Gathered together. I just heard one uh, theology guy on, the, on a podcast saying, there's no such thing as an ungathered church. Ecclesia means the gathered, called out ones. Now, you can be a member of the church, and you are when you're off by yourself. Surely you are. And the church is not a building, and we all know that. The, church is a con the building is a convenient place for the church to meet. So I need you. I trust that some of you might say you need me. Hopefully my own family. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be all like well <laughs> that's all important but I'll tell you when the government comes and starts fining people $5,000 at a shot just read about somebody here in New Mexico that was just fined $60,000 yeah, for, for opening your shop yeah. so right now in Albuquerque there some church had a church $1,500 tickets to everybody. Yeah. Now, is the body analogy enough to make us think, I don't care what they find me? Well, maybe. But it's still not a command. If I'm going to disobey the government, it needs to be because they're commanding me to do something contrary to what the Lord Jesus himself has commanded me to do. I'm willing, I, I'm the resistance to the tyrants guy. I'm willing to bend over backwards to do what the government wants me to do. I really am. And my temperament and my patience are such that I feel like I can put up with a lot. But I'm not going to put up with being told that I can't follow my Lord's commands.
That's where one of the lines is for me. And I'm not going to put up with it when the government shutdown comes and affects people like Haley and like Dan, who wind up losing jobs and employment for unrighteous, ungodly reasons. I'm not having it. I'm not putting up with it. The reason for me why we have to keep meeting Number four on the list is the biblical idea of sphere sovereignty. You heard that before? Anybody have a t-shirt that says, Abraham Kuyper is my homeboy? He's a Dutch theologian. Of course you're not going to have that. Abraham Kuyper was famous for coming up with the idea of sphere sovereignty. And I think he got it from the scripture. I think you can see it pretty easily. It's this idea that all the different forms of government that God has created, they've all got their own lanes and they need to stay in their lanes. And the four forms of government that we generally think of beginning from the smallest is what? Self-government. We've got families over the selves. Aside from that, we have church government and then we have civil government. Okay? All four of those have their own spheres or their own areas to which God has called them to govern. And the issue is you can't be in one sphere and start taking over stuff in another sphere. My self-government can't then make me come to you and command that you do your self-government differently. Or I force you to do it differently. Now, families, maybe families, part of what they're there for is to act as a backstop against people whose self-government has failed one way or the other. And the family comes along and says, hey, this is not what we do in this family. You got to get your act together. The family fails. Then maybe the church steps in and says, hey, this, this is not what the Lord has commanded now, if somebody in either of any of those three spheres actually commits a biblical crime, that's when the government, the civil government, is supposed to function as a backstop again and say, this can't go on. We're going to find the bad guy and punish him. And that's fear sovereignty. The family, one family isn't allowed to go tell the church how to do its business. The government is certainly not allowed to come and tell the church how to do its business. But listen, the church... The individual believer, we're not allowed to go coerce the state. Now, we can tell them, we can declare it, we can say it as strongly as possible, we can make strong public declarations and assemblies and all of that, but nobody's allowed to step into another sphere and coerce obedience. You understand the difference? If I come to Haley or to Carrie, Haley just left. He knew I was going to use him as an example. If, if I go to Carrie and say, brother, I see you doing this thing in your life and I demand right now that you stop it. Well, if he says, no, I'm not going to stop it. Our conversation is over at that point. I don't get to grab his arm and put him in a Kimura and, and, and make him tap out. Because you know I could, right? No. Okay, so we're not allowed to use coercive force in another sphere. We all understand that. I mean, you've probably got that kind of going through your head naturally. All these governments, we'll talk specifically here about the civil government, what we call the state, and the church over here. They've got their lanes. 
And in the Bible, you will find that the, the state has been given what? The sword to punish evildoers. But in Matthew chapter 16, chapter 18, the church has been given not the sword, but the keys of the kingdom. Those are different spheres of authority, different tools to use within those spheres. So the church can go to the state and say, you need to be obeying God. We are talking about a separation between these spheres, separation of church and state. What we're not talking about is a separation of God and state. The state is still going to have to answer to God, whether or not it wants to listen to the church. But the church needs to be faithful to go to the state and say, hey, you're going to be in trouble. You know, this judgment day, that's real and it's coming. And you're going to be answering for that. Biblically speaking, though, think back to the days of King David and Solomon, King Josiah, some of the good kings. Sometimes they had to get after the priests, right? Sometimes they had to go to the churchy people and say, y'all got to get your act together. We got we to gotta repent and start doing things better than we're doing. In God's world, everybody gets to say to everybody else, let's do better. Let's, let's serve God better than we've been doing. Does that make sense? Separate realms of authority, separate tools to use within that authority. Where do we see this? Well, it's pretty easy. 1 Samuel 13, we won't turn there unless you want to, but 1 Samuel 13, we have King Saul, and he's faced with a war coming up, and Samuel the prophet has told him, don't do anything until I come and offer the sacrifice. Well, Samuel's delayed. He's a couple of days later than he said he was going to be. What does Saul do? Well, in his words, uh, I forced myself and I, I offered the sacrifice myself. Samuel's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You've got the sword. You do not have the keys. And you don't get to act like you do on the keys. A little bit later in 2 Chronicles in chapter 26, we have the basically good king Uzziah got a little bit full of himself. And the evidence that he was full of himself was that he showed up in the temple at the incense altar going to offer incense to God by himself on his own. And the priest said, hey, you can't be doing that. And I don't know if he was going to argue or what. But as soon as they told him, this is not right. You need to stay in your lane. You're way outside your lane. Brought four score. King James says brought four score priests with them. Eighty priests standing there saying, uh, this ain't going to fly. King may have been about to say something one way or the other, but leprosy miraculously and instantly breaks out on his forehead. And they have to hustle him out of the temple. God is serious about, y'all need to stay in your lane. For me, I think this is the point. The government has every right to come to the church, the church in general or churches in particular, and say, would you please consider shutting down? Every right. That's fine. What the government doesn't get to do is what they're doing now, saying, okay, some of you can meet, but here's the what you have to, you're not, you shouldn't be singing. You definitely shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper. And, you know, oh, you do. Uh, I don't know if you remember, our own governor, when it was Easter coming around, get this, you don't think this was political? 
less than 24 hours before Easter, biggest day on the church calendar, less than 24 hours before Easter, the governor rescinds the permission that had been in place for churches to keep meeting. Less than 24 hours. She just wasn't paying attention? No. In her announcements, one of the things that she said was, what y'all church people need to realize is that your home can be just as holy as your church. Thank you, high priestess. We got Carmen's Easter all the So now we've got governors, both in this state and in others, telling churches, you can do the basic stuff of your service, but you can't do everything. Listen, you governors, whoever hears the, my voice as it's recorded, and I don't know. You have no right to enter into the temple of the living God and say what it means for the people of God to worship God. You have no right. This isn't your lane. We're going to do what we have been called to do. For me, this is a command. For me, this is where I stand. For me, I look back at the people who founded this nation and a lot of people have been willing to say, and they've said it before, you've heard this, you've seen it on memes on Facebook and Twitter, this idea, when the colonists rebelled, the tax rate was only 3%. <laughs> right? 23% would have had a real problem. <laughs> it's over 50. Combine all the taxes now, it's over 50. Even for y'all poor folks, you're paying at the gas pump, you're paying all the time. Oh, well... Maybe they were just being a little uppity. 3%. 3%. You're going to rebel over 3%. Listen, what they knew was that if we bow down, if we knuckle under to an illegitimate government taxing us 3%, a year from now it'll be that 30%. If we let them tax us 3 we might as well clamp the chains on our own hands because we have become slaves. And if we let the government come to us now and tell us, here's what's essential in a service of worship. Do you see? Do you see the tyranny that is headed our way? If we just knuckle under. They're not asking us, they're threatening us and saying, you will worship this way or not at all. You will worship this way or you can do it in prison. You decide which one you want to do. And I'm just saying, maybe I go to prison, but I'm going to obey Jesus Christ. That's where it becomes an issue for me. But pastor... Is this really, this idea of sphere sovereignty, is this really worth the risk that the state police are going to show up here, that they're going to leave tickets on all the cars, or that they're going to drag me off to jail or something? Is this really the risk? Is this the time? Is this the hill to die on? It is. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, and if they showed up here, we make them sing and eat a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
All right, y'all, y'all tyrants, grab you a brownie and sit down. All right. Uh, that's a great way to fight tyranny. You come in here, we'll give you some pastry, but we're going to do our worship. Listen, y'all got kids. Y'all got grandkids. During the Reformation, you can read Fox's Book of Martyrs and find just the slew, the multitude of simple believers who went to the stake and were burned over theological issues. Well, some theological issues, they're really important. Let me tell you what the theological issue was that they went to the stake for. They were willing to go to the stake and be burned rather than say that the bread turns into the physical body of Jesus. That was it. If they had been willing to just say, okay, I can go along with that, they'd have lived. They were more willing to give their lives to the flames than they were to see their soul head for the same place. Oh, is sphere sovereignty really that big a deal? It's, it's not like we're talking about the deity of Jesus. It's not like we're talking about salvation by grace through faith. We're talking about, we're talking about issues of government. This is huge. If you give up now, you're giving your children and your grandchildren into slavery. Put the chains on them yourselves. Save the government the, the, the uh, pr- trouble of tattooing numbers on them. Tattoo your own damn number on them. This is huge. And it irritates me that so many people, even people that I have respected, that I've prayed with, that I've ministered alongside in this region, knuckled under before anybody ever told them to. And now that they're telling them they must, what ground, what ground are you going to stand on now? You've already given it all away. Here's an ironic thing too. All these pastors who have shut down their churches and let the government tell them what worship looks like, they're so happy they're doing their Zoom church. (laughs) And they're having drive-in church. Isn't this great? We're all still fellowshipping on Zoom. Six months ago, if somebody had come to any one of these pastors and said, well, I don't need to come to your church. I can just stay home and watch a service on my computer. What would they have said? Oh, (laughs) tithes and offerings. Right? Now when things do open up, what are those pastors going to say to the people who say the very same thing? Hey, we had a great time not having to get out of our pajamas. On a Sunday morning. Why should we go back? If there was nothing there in the first place that made it worth bucking the system just a little bit. If there was nothing there that was worth that when it was easy. What you going to do when it gets hard? For real. COVID-19 is going to go away. Then the clouds of murder hornets are coming. (laughs) They're going to go away at some point too, but something's going to come next. And this government is all about scaring you into compliance. 
They're going to embrace us. <laughs> right. The drones are watching. The <laughs> That's <stuff>. right. <laughs> What's that? I see a drone that's throwing rocks at me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of lead might be more yeah. effective there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there is my answer. It may not seem like much to people who are just wondering, who don't understand how important the church of Jesus Christ really is. Is Emmanuel Baptist Church that important? No. Uh, some, of, uh, some of you said yes. All right, that's fine. What am I going to do? Get mad at you? In the grand scheme of things, though, it's not. We're the last one standing. We are making a stand. We are making a stand. We're making a stand on the down low. Well, what does that mean? If you're going to stand, just stand. Well, listen, here's the thing. All the, all the uh, demonstrations that are taking place in the marches and all of that, you're not going to get your freedom back by begging the ones who took it from you to give it back to you. If you want to live in freedom, you have to just live in freedom. And that's why we're here. And that's why we are kind of doing it on the download. Not because, not because we are trying to skirt the authorities, but because I, I just don't even want to mess with them. If they want to come here and coerce and use their physical power to do bad things to us, I'd just rather avoid that. Y'all go stay in your lane and y'all do you. We're just going to meet here and worship God according to the scriptures. How about that? So for me, yeah, we are, we are kind of meeting on the sly. Doesn't mean we're scared. Just means I'd rather not have to mess with you. Questions, comments, anything about this? Best sermon you ever heard in your lives? No, no. Y'all crazy. Y'all be crazy. All right. Hey, really, any comments or anything? Man, I'm fired up, y'all. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.